Luke chapter 1, we are going to begin uh, a series called The Model Manger. Many of us, maybe you have, a manger similar to this one in your home. And uh, we, you look at it and you wonder why uh, it's an it's interesting ragtag group that we would bring out at Christmas time. An angel and shepherds and sheep and then two unknown people, Mary and Joseph. And then a baby laying in a, laying in a feeding trough. It's interesting, we have those mangers in our homes and we talk about the Christmas story. Why did God design the Christmas story, the birth of his son, in this way? Well, there's a reason to that. There's a reason that God made a model manger, the perfect time, the perfect way, and God's plan for Jesus, his son, to come. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the elements of the manger, of the birth of Jesus. And we're going to begin today by looking at Mary, who was vital to the story. Mary, an obedient mother. So we're going to look at her part of the story in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the Holy One uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a child in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Let us pray. God, we're thankful that you have recorded perfectly without error the story of you coming to earth, that Jesus coming and coming to save us from our sins. May we, God, as we have come to this and to understand Mary's part in the manger, help us to see you, help us to be challenged by you as we are challenged by the faithfulness of this Jewish girl. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. On the way home from church, a father asked his son, what did you learn about in Sunday school today? And the uh, son replied, well, we learned about the crossing of the Red Sea, Dad. He said, well, while we're driving, tell me what you learned. And so the son proceeded to tell him. He said, "Um, Dad, this is what I learned today. I learned that Moses led the Israelites out of Pharaoh's hand. And Pharaoh was really mad, so he sent his army after them. But the problem was the Israelites ran up against the Red Sea and they had nowhere to go. 
and Pharaoh's army was coming fast. Dad, you will never believe what happened next. Moses sent the Israeli Air Force uh, to fend off Pharaoh's army. And all the while, he was slowing them down with the Air Force. Uh, the, the Marines started to build a, a bridge over across the, uh, across the Red Sea for the Is Israelites to, to, to go across. And they did. And Moses led them across the bridge and the, the Air Force let Pharaoh's army come, and they started to cross the bridge. But Moses knew what to do. He sent his Navy SEALs uh, to plant charges on the bridge. So as soon as Pharaoh's army crossed the bridge, he detonated them, and Pharaoh's army plunged into the water, and God's people was saved. A pretty surprised dad was wondering what he had just heard. He said, son, are you sure... This is the way that the story was taught in your class today. He said, no, Dad, but if, if I tell you what they told me, you'll never believe it. You know, it's kind of the same feeling we get when we read the birth of Jesus. Angels and shepherds, a virgin birth. It's a lot of things that we don't believe or wouldn't believe. But it's vital to the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sins. There is no detail that God spared in creating the perfect opportunity for Jesus to come. Even the virgin birth, which is hard for us to understand, but it's important imperative to Christ. Real quickly, it's important because God had to come and save humanity. So there must have been a human sacrifice. So God was born of a woman to die for the sins of man. But also it was important because Jesus had to die for all of mankind to take on and bear the weight of humanity and sin for all of us. It couldn't be just man. It was God himself who came. So we have a perfect birth of Jesus, the God-man who came to die for sins. But he was born of a virgin named Mary. Who is this Mary? What do we know? Well, we know that there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary. But if we actually read the Bible, we can't be that confused. Some believe a lot of different things, but the Holy Scriptures tell us a lot. That she indeed gave birth to the Savior of the world, but she herself was not sinless and needed a Savior. She was not immaculately conceived that is born without original sin as some state she was a virgin when christ was conceived but not perpetually so as she bore children to joseph later on that we read in scripture as some teach and she was with her son when he ascended we read in acts chapter one but did not ascend bodily herself as it was taught in the middle ages and some still believe today if we actually read the Bible, we learn a lot about Mary that we don't have to be confused and be blinded by this misinformation. But what we learn about Mary is this, is that she should be admired but not worshipped because Mary was important to the story of Jesus. Imagine this amazing opportunity for this Jewish girl to birth the king of kings and lord of lords imagine how proud she was at the pta meetings 
Well, God chose Mary. Why did he do this? I believe God chose Mary because for him to make a perfect manger, he needed someone who would be willing to be obedient. Mary is the model disciple because she was obedient to what God called her to do. She, like we should be, should be willing to surrender it all. We should be willing to be obedient to God's call on our lives. We, like Mary, should be willing to faithfully follow God and whatever he calls for our life. Today, we read and we learn why was Mary part of the model manger? It was because she was obedient. And there are three reasons Mary could obey God no matter the cost. And these characteristics are something that we should pray. This Christmas is part of our walk with Christ. The first one is this. Mary obeyed when it was inconvenient. Let us be reminded of her story in verse 26. 26. In the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent to, to God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with her, with you. Why was God favoring Mary? Why was the Lord with her? I believe because God was looking for obedience. And she was a chosen and unspectacular girl by the world's standard. But rich in God's mercy, he chose her to carry her son. She would be willing to obey even when it was inconvenient. I mean, think about where we find Mary. Mary was engaged. Everything that she'd thought about and know about was about to happen to her. She was in Nazareth. She had been engaged to a man who was a carpenter and who, who would be able to provide for her. I mean, she was surely on Pinterest every day looking at how she was going to make uh, the wedding even better. She was probably writing and practicing writing her name uh, with Joseph's last name written just as other, every other bride. She was practicing and doing naming her future children. She was thinking of the future that was in store for her that she had been laid out all of her life and suddenly an angel appears and changes her whole world an angel interrupts her plan and it's incredibly inconvenient based on what she had planned for her life and mapped out look at what was asked of her by god that would come to fruition in the years ahead she would have to risk her life to be found with child not married she was actually, according to the law, subject to be stoned because she had been unfaithful, to the world's eyes, to her betrothed. She would be outcast to her home village. She would have to bear a child at a very young age, somewhere between 14 to 16 years of age, and then ride on a donkey to Bethlehem for a census. And then she was tasked to teach and raise her son with the mission of God and Scripture in mind. When I look at Mary's life, I see a girl who was willing to obey God no matter what he asked of her. God calls us to obey just like he called Mary 
when it's inconvenient. He interrupts the plans that we have to build our own kingdom so that we would be faithful in building his. Think about it. This is how God did through the whole scripture. He called out to Moses in the countryside through a burning bush, interrupting his life to deliver his people from Pharaoh. He interrupted the lives of the the prophets to to portray or to speak into a world that was uh, falling away from him to proclaim his truth. God interrupted a boy, a shepherd boy, who was just tending sheep to become the king of his people. Friends, we must be reminded that this is how God works. He interrupts the plans that we have for ourselves to introduce us to a better plan that he has in his will. We must be reminded that his ways are better. We must obey it when it's against our logic, against cultural norms, and what we would even think we would normally do ourselves. But be reminded, as what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when you're praying, and you feel God is telling you to take this job, you say, God, why should I take this job? It doesn't make any sense from the world standard. It's less hours. It's less pay. It is not what I was looking for to begin with. But then you realize when God places you there that you become the light of the world in a dark place. He has sent you there to share the gospel and be the gospel in that place. When someone leads you as a student to go to this college, a specific college, and you say, God, why should I go to this college? You realize, well, God is not looking at the offering of majors that he wants you to follow instead he has placed you at that college because there's a strong local church there that you can be a part of that God will deepen you in your faith and deepen you in your walk as you grow during those years when you know it's the holidays and your friends and family who really don't like to talk about spiritual things and God is saying hey you need to talk about me it's really inconvenient to you but you are the light that I've placed in this darkness, and I need to be faithful. God does things that we don't understand or doesn't do things that we would even do ourselves if we dreamed it up, but God has a plan, and God has a will, and God has a purpose for us. And just like Mary, we need to obey even when it's inconvenient. Friends, obedience is not when we have satisfied our own pro-con list and make sure that it makes sense to us. Obedience is not when you have figured out your own life plan and then asked God to do something different. No, obedience is not counting the cost to decide to follow Jesus and then telling him what you're going to do afterwards. You've counted the cost to follow Jesus before, to follow him with all of your life. Obedience is natural to the believer. When you accepted him as Savior, you don't have an option to not obey. David Platt says this, president of the International Mission Board, he says, radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort, not health, not wealth, and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. 
But in the end, such risks finds its reward in Christ. And he is more than enough for us. Friends, Mary obeyed when it was inconvenient. And God's going to call you when it's inconvenient to follow him. Will you do so? Secondly, Mary obeyed because she knew God's word. Verse 30 says, Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you, have con- you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. His name will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of God forever, and his kingdom will ne- have no end. Here we see how did Mary was faithful to obey God? Because she knew God's word. What do we read? We read that she was troubled by what the angel said. And friends, what we put down in our heart when we're fearful is what comes out. My question is, if you put God's word in your heart to when you're fearful and pressed down, is it going to be the promise of God's word that you're going to lean on? Is it going to be the truths of God's word that you promise, that you understand, that you must obey? What did the angel do? Did the angel say to her, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, I've got this all mapped out. This is what's going to happen next week. This is what's going to happen next year. This is how you're going to be provided for. This is how you're going to turn away all the wrath of the people in your village. This is how it's all going to turn out, and you're going to be super rich. No. The angel said, this is what God has done and will continue to do. What did he speak to? What did he bring out? He brought out the name Jesus, which, which Mary would have known meant Jehovah is salvation. He brought out the, the one of the Most High. This is an Old Testament saying referring only to the good and only God. He talked about the throne of David and how it would continue. The angel calmed Mary's fears by pointing her back to the faithfulness of God's word. And in the same way when we're fearful, if we're going to obey we need to always go back to the faithfulness of God's word. You say, well, this might be a stretch, Sean. How do you know this? Well, because scripture interprets scripture. We know what God's word says. Just a page over, look at Mary's song. Mary's magnificat. What does she say? My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked on me with favor on a humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts, and he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. How do I know that Mary leaned on God's word? Look at her very words. She quoted back scripture in song to God. Time and time again, she quoted Old Testament sayings. And in the end, she referred to the mercy that God has given and shown to Abraham and his descendants forever. 
Friends, what do we find here? That Mary's theology is better than the scribes of Israel, the scribes and the Pharisees. What did they always point to? What did they place their trust in? The Mosaic law, the law, the works of people. But what was her hope in? The faithfulness of God. Her hope was in the Abrahamic covenant. Mary's theology, Mary knew her Bible, and she viewed all of God's dealing in the light of his grace. The religious leaders only thought in terms of human works. Before anyone else on earth knew what God was up to, when Mary was privy to God's plan, she knew because of God's word. She understood the purpose of her pregnancy and the scandal that she would be entering in. She was grounded in God's word. Friends, let me ask you this. How deep are you in God's word? What have you planted in your heart when fear comes? When God calls you to obey and you shrink back from speaking the truth of the gospel? When you you fear because you know you should make this step to follow God, but you shrink back because you don't know the way it's going to end up? What are you going to be anchored in? Friends, you need to be anchored in God's word. Maybe today you should covenant with the Lord to be more faithful in his word. Maybe you should think about how you are going to be in God's word more actively and together. Maybe you should covenant to say, you know what, when the church together is reading cover to cover through God's word, through the reading plan next year, I need to do this because I know I need God's word, God's plan, God's story in my heart so that I will not fear when he calls me to obey. Friends, the reality is this, is that you can never obey God if you don't know what he wants and what his word says. It'd be like a contractor building a house without looking at the plans. If you're going to obey, you've got to know God's word. Thirdly and finally, Mary obeyed because her heart was enslaved to God. Verse 35, the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and it's the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to to your word and the angel left her a true disciple moves beyond following Jesus as a religion and a law to loving him with all of our hearts how would our lives be different how would our lives as true Christ followers who loved God that whatever he said and obeyed it welled up because we loved him immensely Mary had learned to trust God beyond the bottom line. The profile of Mary we pick up that is between the stories of the Scripture, that she was raised in a poor but godly home where life was hard but God was good, that she heard that she was going to be a mother of the Messiah. She didn't know how it was going to turn out. She didn't know how her present was going to be impacted. She didn't know how her future was going to. But look at how she responded. When the angel said, for nothing is impossible without, with God. She responded, I am the Lord's slave. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done according to your word. 
Mary lived out the truth that people who know Christ, who know Him as Savior, our hearts change in affection towards Him. And the truth comes to light from Romans chapter 6 that it is our heart that was once slave to sin is now slave to God because of the great sacrifice and love that we have received through Christ. Romans 6.20 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness, so that your fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of. The outcome of those things is death. But now... Since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, it is when we come face to face face with our sin that we come to know Christ and that we know that he came and that he died and that he rose again. That the Bible says by faith we lay hold of what Jesus did. That it is a gift that we receive. That it is nothing we do to get it in return. And yet, because we see the immense nature and value of the gift of our salvation, our heart longs for him. We live for him. We follow him. We become his slave because we would be nowhere else than with God. And just like Paul, who begins his letters, a fellow servant, a slave of God. James, who begins his letter, James, a servant of God. Peter, who begins his letter, a servant of God, says to you, we learn in the same way that we enslave ourselves to God because we love Him. And Mary too. Friends, have you enslaved your heart to God? Have you moved from following as a rule to following as love? There's a great picture in the novel Prince Caspian by C.S. Lewis. It's a great dialogue from Aslan, who is the Christ figure, to Lucy as she has seen Aslan for the first time in many years as she's grown up. She says, Aslan, Lucy says, you're bigger. Aslan responds, that is because you're older, little one, answered he. She asks, not because you are? Aslan says, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. What a great picture that every year we faithfully follow God. He becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and grander and we fall more in love with Him. When we get to the point where we're so connected to Him that when He says go, you say where? When He says stop, you say to what? When He says tell or speak, you say to whom? To, when He says change, you say how? How much would your life be more vibrant and effective and adventurous and joy-filled if you just obeyed God and His goodness and grace? Friends, we are called to obey because our hearts should be enslaved to God. There's a man named Bob Laguerre. And he lives in a trailer on some land he doesn't own. He wears plaid stripes and sweaters most days, and he walks around in just his tennis shoes. 
To most of the world, they would see him as a normal guy in a normal place in a normal town. But those who know him, know him as a godly, faithful Bible translator. One who has spent his entire life translating God's word so that others may read it. The world would say he's a nobody from nowhere who has done nothing of real importance, but heaven sees it differently. Heaven sees it as the Lord sees it, as someone from somewhere who has done something awesome by being obedient to the king of heaven. Such is the life of Mary's. Such should be our lives as well. May we never magnify ourselves, but like Mary of the Bible and Bob, let us magnify the Lord our God, our Savior in our lives. Are you willing to allow God to use you no matter the cost? No matter the cost of your reputation or the comfort in your life, are you willing to be obedient in your life to whatever He wants? Friends, may we be obedient. May we look at the manger and see a faithful, obedient mother and me, may we, like her, say, God, my heart is with you. I will do whatever according to your word. Let us pray. God, we ask you this morning to challenge us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful. And God, I pray for us this morning. That wherever we find ourselves... Wherever we are in the plan that we have for our life, God, I pray that maybe there's someone here who doesn't see you as a big part of their life. But I pray by your Spirit that they would be open and have their eyes open to the truths of the gospel. And that for the first time that they would see that the life that they had planned, the life that they had ahead, makes no sense now without you in it. I pray that they would see the beauty of the gospel, that they would see a Savior who died for them, one who didn't deserve it, but took on all the sin of the world and sacrificed himself to death on a cross and was buried, and yet by your grace was raised to life. And that this Christmas we are reminded that the perfect gift is now extended to us. That by faith we can claim salvation through your son Jesus. If all we do is believe and trust in you. And God, I pray for those of us who know you and have our eternity set. May we not think that is now the time to negotiate with you. But instead trust you, trust you, surrender and obey. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.